This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, you can have control over your body and how you age. Dr. Dwight Chapin, he's a team chiropractor for the Argonauts, a wellness man. He's an innovator. Tells us how his seven wellness rituals for health, strength, and hope book can change our lives. On the World of Weird Things with Greg Fish, we look at the miracle cure from the internet that cures everything. Conspiracy theorists have found it. It's called a med bed. Unfortunately, it's not real. It's just a bed that you lie down and it'll fix you. People are buying into it, though. And are you okay with hugs and more? Well, I don't know about you, but as I get older, I find that uh, gravity and I don't get along quite the same. Mostly when I bend down to pick things up, you know, when it actually gets me, it gets me the most when I try to pick up my golf ball and there's nothing worse than actually making a putt and being excited about it. And then you go to bend down and your, your knees like collapse, fall to the ground. Oh yeah. Old. <laughs> it's a thing. What if we could uh, make some changes in our lives that would help that, that would change that. The word that comes to my mind that I love in this is vitality. Now, vitality is just so broad, but it's also so incredibly narrow. What if you could live your life with vitality? That doesn't mean by anybody else's rules. It means by your rules, with vitality. So a part of Good News Tuesday here on The Shift is we love to do sharing some good news about some very awesome yet simple tips on how we can maybe take a little bit different look at all this. Dwight uh, Chapin is here. Is it Chapin or Chapin, by the way? I got it wrong earlier. It's Chapin. Chapin. My apologies. Yeah. Dwight Chapin yeah. is here. I called you Chapin earlier. Um, now, Dwight is a chiropractor. He's a wellness innovator. He likes to create wellness long beyond cracking your bones. But that's what he does as part of his educated career with the Toronto Argonauts and so much more. You're a speaker and you're a writer now. Well, at least you're sharing your writing. I'm guessing that you've been a writer for a long time. Uh, thanks for being here, Dwight. Appreciate it. Uh, thrilled to be here, Shane. My pleasure. Thank you. So you have this new book out. And uh, you take from the experience around these pro athletes, which I think is probably a pretty good lens. I mean, they kind of do things that most people aren't capable of doing. So around the world of discipline, care and all that, you've been able to observe and and pay attention and, and write some stuff. What have you been writing? So, you know, I've always been fascinated by a patient's journey. Uh, you know, when someone shows up into my office and they come in, they say, I can't get that golf ball out of the golf hole. My body's not working like it used to. Uh, I take a lot of pride in, in helping them get more out of life. But, you know, over my career, I've had this opportunity to work with a lot of high level individuals, leaders in, in their field. And, and it's fascinating to me. You get those that are at the top of their game and they seem to sacrifice everything to get there. And then you've got those at the top of their game that just seems you know, to be able to leverage their health and performance in that journey. And, and it's that group that I've been fascinated with my whole career. And so what I've, what I've been writing about and what my uh, book, Take Good Care, is all about is, is what, are, what are the general practices of people that are able to achieve their best health, best performance, and maintain happiness and, and longevity practices um, along the way. So I've studied leaders in, in business, media, sport, entertainment, and healthcare, and brought together a group of mentors to, to help inspire Canadians on how, how they may change their formula for health and success. Well, this is fantastic too, because we kind of get this lens in life that are kind of like our body owes us something. I've just recently, I mean, I did a lot of work with my psychologist, I don't know, a little over a decade ago about the the mind-body connection sort of thing, right? The the body tells us all. And there's some great books on there that's sort of about the mind-body connection. And it started for me and I was like, this is great, but I didn't, it didn't really connect. Then recently it has really connected when I learned some of the the mindfulness and meditation around just listening to your body and not expecting your body to do something. That if your body needs something, it'll tell you. And mm -hmm. that was a new lens for me. I had never really been through that before. And I'm pretty banged up. I played hockey quite seriously. And, you know, I've had the shoulder repairs and, and screws and I'm getting more of them here coming up. And, you know, I've got, oh, I'm banged up. So for me, you would think I would have learned it a lot earlier. And I know that some of our trades workers that are listening and folks that have, you know, banged up their bodies too, they, they kind of can connect with that notion, but our body doesn't really 
owe us anything. We really just need to listen to it and pay attention to it and sort of give it what it needs. And it gives us back so much more in return, doesn't it? It does. It does. And, I, and I'll say to patients, I'm like, listen, you know, poor health, uh, joint stiffness, uh, achiness and pain, is it's not an inevitable consequence of aging. We have quite a profound control uh, and power over how the body ages. And, uh, you know, longevity experts are now looking at aging as maybe the disease that we should be looking at. There are these biological hallmarks of aging that are found further upstream from the uh, symptoms of chronic disease that we have influence over by the choices we make every day. So, you know, it starts with mindset, though. I mean, you touched on something that's really important, and that's just the power of your, your thought and how you perceive your body and how you perceive aging and what your capabilities are. And, and it's one of the themes in the book that these 21 mentors that I focus on, they all have learned how to harness the power of their thought. One of them was Jan Arden, and Jan talks about how everyone wants to know what her big break was. And she was like, Dwight, there was no big break. I mean, the real difference between success and failure and making things happen in my life has been the conversation I've had with myself. It's that inner dialogue and the thought process that goes along with that and the influence that has on shaping uh, physiology. Well, that inner dialogue is happening anyway, right? So yeah. why wouldn't you want to shape it? That's kind of my look at it. I mean, look, you can, okay, maybe you are some fantastic, amazing monk in your, in your peaceful mind, but I mean, it's nattering away anyway. Oh, that was stupid. Hey, boy, you look really chubby in that mirror. What's going on? I can't believe, man. How do these oranges get so bad so quick? Like it's it's nattering away always. Why would you not want to just shape it at least to work in your favor? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes just starting with listening to how you speak to yourself. I mean, a lot of people would not speak to a, a casual acquaintance with the same tone that we speak to ourselves. So mm. When we look at our stressors, when we look at when we're triggered, when we understand how easy it is to get worked up and we get locked into this chronic stress cycle, just taking a step back from that and listening to the inner dialogue and paying attention to what your triggers are and what your thought process, what that track is that's playing in your mind is, is one of the first steps to building greater resiliency. And of course, that's that's an important part of healthy aging. So when we do that and we listen and we maybe take a little bit more of a gentle tone with ourselves, um, that can be uncomfortable for an awful lot of people because we do run into a lot of roadblocks with that. But when we're talking about our body and wanting our body to do different things, it doesn't take much, does it, to just get started? I mean, the book is uh, Take Good Care, Seven Wellness Rituals for Health, Strength, and Hope. So where, where do you want to start? Because I, I want to pick your brain on a couple of these things, um, like slowing down aging is a thing that's going to happen. We talk a lot about nourishing your body here on the shift. So mm -hmm. um, where do you want to go? Cause all those are just a couple of the, the broad spectrum of the list. Well, let's just, let's just start with a, with a real quick overview of what the rituals are. And, and, uh, and then I think it's important that when, when people are looking to, to change their routine and, and craft a strategy for health and wellness, it's important to understand that uh, the power is really in the choices that you make and learning how to stack those choices day after day. That's where the, the magic happens. Like we have the ability to alter our genetic expression by stacking healthy choices. And so as I studied these 21 professionals and got an understanding of their formula for, for health and well-being, which, by the way, have been crafted out of adversity and all kinds of challenges in their life. There was this common ground and the common ground are the seven rituals, which is prioritizing sleep, rest and recovery. It's consuming healthy fuel. It's fighting for your waistline. It's moving to stay young. It's protecting your strength. It's nurturing mental fitness and it's playing with purpose. And so in crafting a formula that incorporates each of those seven rituals, Every day we get to play the game again, right? So it doesn't have to be perfect. One of the things that I've learned from the athletes that I've worked with is that they will study process. They'll give themselves permission to fail. They'll study their film. They'll tweak their formula. They, they protect and nurture their formula with great pride, even when it fails them. And then they'll go back and they'll nurture that formula and make required tweaks, hoping to be better the next day. 
And I think that's one of the things that we can take away from their experiences. And, and as we craft our own strategy, treat ourselves with kindness. Look to stack a few healthy choices uh, tomorrow. That'll get you one step closer to where you want to be. And that's that's sort of a starting point. It sounds a lot like reps in the gym, right? Today I did six, tomorrow I can do seven. Um, yeah. So we do- it's also- um, it's also important. To, it's also important just to recognize the difference between healthy habits and rituals. Mm. Like someone will look at wellness ritual number one: prioritize sleep, rest, and recovery. Like all of your listeners are going to know how important sleep is. Yet somewhere between fifty and seventy percent of us aren't getting quality sleep or enough sleep. Right? Like we we approach sleep like it's this off switch that should just come to us when our head hits the pillow. But in sleep, there's this incredible biological power that we can tap into. And so when our formula is centered around an understanding of what sleep can do for immune function, what it can do to detoxify the nervous system, what it can do to help our brain flush out memory impairing proteins, what it can do to balance mood and regulate weight and cholesterol and, and uh, cortisol levels. And we have a, better, a bigger understanding of the power that we can harness there then we're a little more motivated to set strategies and set ourselves up for success that allow us to achieve better sleep quality. So in healthy habits, sometimes they're just not sticky enough. They just don't, they don't hold when we need them, when life gets tough. Whereas wellness rituals, there's an intention, there's a discipline, there's a, um, a deeper level of commitment that comes with the rituals. And when they're woven into your daily practices, then when we really need them, they're there for us. And that's how you start to tweak the way in which the, the, your genetic code will express itself. Well, how do we, how do we find that? I mean, there are two things that I hear particularly here. If I take this really into my life and I take it into, you know, the lives of the people around me is that first of all, we have sort of this conditioning thing, right? My family eats red meat always. That's all I know how to cook. Um, right. We don't, I don't know how to cook vegetables. So they're yummy. I don't know. Right. I don't even know how to shop for vegetables or how long they last for. I mean, so that, that as an example are, are some of the basic conditioning pieces that we come to. And then we get into trying to break that, which takes time and a lot of patience. And then we also have to try to get into that. You said discipline, right? Uh, boy, that's a big word, man, Dwight, like that discipline's a tough one. And even some of the most disciplined people will all tell you that they're not very disciplined at times. Yeah. So I've been the Argonaut chiropractor for nine years. I've seen Michael Pinball Clemens give some amazing locker room speeches. And one of my favorites is he said, gentlemen, in life, we all must choose one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The choice you make will define your life. And at that, he walked out. And so, yeah, discipline's a tough word and exercise is a tough word and, and looking at changing diet. Those are really difficult, difficult things. But I've found in my practice that when you can get someone inspired with a bigger, better understanding of the power they have over their health and their performance, and that becomes the intention behind the decision, it charges their why. It makes it a little bit easier to say, okay, the, the one step I'm going to take tomorrow is I'm going to go through my pantry and I'm going to get rid of a lot of the ultra processed packaged foods there. And that's a place where I'm going to start. I'm going to eliminate some of the temptations that are there. I'm going to take one hour of my day tomorrow and I'm going to go for a, a short walk or, or a slow paced walk around the block. Um, and when we do that, when we take one hour a day and start walking, and, and break the sedentary posture, like profound things happen. We reduce our all-cause mortality by as much as 30% by that one change. Hmm. So I hear you. It's not easy, and it can be really intimidating, and that's where most people get stuck. So if we can move past that with an understanding that, no, wait a minute, I have a power to step outside of my genetic predisposition for heart disease or Alzheimer's disease, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make some intentional changes. Then you start relying on your network. You're you're calling on resources. Uh, you're, you're you're tapping in your medical professionals. You're you're crafting a formula. And what I've tried to do with this book is give people guideposts so that they can craft their own formula and and from there find their path. Because your your formula is going to be very different than anyone else's. Sounded like there for a second that you implied that I should throw out my potato chips, Dwight. That does not make me feel good. 
Um, Everything in moderation. <laughs> okay, so some of the outdoor activities that we're sort of getting ourselves into uh, that season of our lives, for sure. And we've been lucky most of May across the country in ways that we haven't seen before to try things. And I was curious uh, for some suggestions of getting out. You said walking. Don't underestimate just the basics of walking. Um, and also tracking things. I'm curious your thoughts on tracking things, because for me, I get in the 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 brain cycle of oh it's not working I got nothing, but if I track it and I see the number and if that number of say it's a weight number goes from two thirty to two twenty eight, even though I might not feel like I'm getting anywhere, you can be like oh and even inches around your tummy like there's all kinds of ways that you can actually put a tangible number on that. Did you discover that in any of the the work for the yeah. book? Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's a really key motivator. So some people are motivated by a streak or by a number on a scale. One of the mentors in the book is Herbie Kuhn. And Herbie's the PA announcer for the Toronto Raptors. And what many people don't know is Herbie's also the chaplain for the Raptors and for the Argonauts. And in 2020, Herbie found himself as far away from what he would call a total athlete, a mix of mental, physical, social, emotional, and spiritual wellness that he's ever been in his life. He, he went to walk his dog around the block and was out of breath and he came back and he was literally embarrassed. How can I face an athlete and hold them accountable to this vision of becoming a total athlete if I myself can't have the, 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 the discipline to, to be accountable to my own actions? And so he started to put together a walking streak and that walking streak became a running streak. And before he knew it, he had over 300 days stacked in a row and it completely transformed his life. And it was the streak that got him out the door on those rainy days or on the days that he felt more like sitting on the couch than walking. I have a strong family history of heart disease. So what gets me up on the days that I don't feel like doing it is the fact that I want to be there for my sons. I, I want to get outside of that genetic predisposition. So that's enough to motivate me. So Whatever the motivation is, it starts with awareness of what your body's capable of. And then you've got to empower that by understanding what your why is. And that's that's the, really the magic. It's worth noting that your why will change. And if you think you know your why today, it is per, it's not a contract, right? You're not locked into your why. Yeah. And so if you just take what comes to you for your why, and then it's probably going to change and just acknowledge it. And then when it changes, go, Oh, found a new why and just move on. We, we kind of put the why in a box and that's the best way that I can contribute to that by, by sort of saying that thing I can, I can acknowledge. I hate running Dwight. Like for me, God, that is the most boring, terrible blah, thing. But I did, I walked and I walked and I walked every night, every night, every night. And then one day, I was walking and I was, I felt like I was like Forrest Gump. I was like, I feel like <laughs> running. Broke out into a run. And yeah. I did it. I just ran from here to the school, you know? And it was, I was like, Hey, okay, well, I guess that was a thing. And then the next day I was like, I wonder if I kind of feel like running today. That was weird. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's amazing what can happen. We, 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 we love certainty. Right. And we just love to be in control of all the things. And if you sort of just trust a little bit, uh, the book is take good care, seven wellness rituals for health, strength, and hope. I mean, it's neat that you talk about that. I mean, health is tangible. Strength is tangible. Hope is magical, but it's also a terrible plan. And so you need to have these these sort of tips because if you just have hope as your plan, I hate to break it to you, you're screwed. Like that's that's <laughs> lovely, but it's not going to work. So um, uh, tell us these uh, healthy fuel eating things uh, as part of the actual plan uh, to counter sure. maybe some of the hope we're carrying. Sure. Um, I, I just want to come back to the one point you made, and that's that your why can change. And, and I think that's a really important point to be making is, is that this formula that we're talking about crafting and the motivation that's behind it, that's going to change. And, and it's important to allow that to happen. Um, none of the mentors in the book have crafted a formula that they've just set it and forget it. And they just run that through their life. It's constantly being nurtured and changing. So that's an important part of, of setting yourself up for success here. Um, as it relates to healthy fuel, uh, this is always a very polarizing topic. Um, I've made it a, a point in the book of not prescribing a diet, looking more at strategies to reduce inflammation in the body. So when we're looking at healthy fuel strategies, it's really, all right, what, when, and why are you eating? Um, the what is, okay, let's, let's cut back on some of the ultra-processed foods. 
Unfortunately, over 50% of our calories are coming from ultra processed foods, which are just loaded with, with sugars and fats and unhealthy fats. That'll prolong your shelf life, but certainly doesn't help human life. So it's cutting back on those ultra processed foods. It's cutting back on fried foods and looking at how you're preparing meals. It's choosing whole uh, ultra, uh, not processed foods that are um, easily accessible, uh, that are high nutrient value. So your fruits and vegetables and legumes and, and um, uh, natural whole foods is the best way I can say it. Um, drinking more water, cutting back on, on alcohol consumption late in the day before you're going to bed or late meals in the day before you go to bed. That has a huge impact on the way in which the body uses calories um, and um, the, the quality of the sleep that you'll have. On, on the when you're eating, there's a lot of research that's being done on time-restricted eating and trying to create a 10 to 12-hour window every day where we're not consuming calories. That helps us to tie into our longevity genes. And, and um, there's some wellness uh, benefits from that eating strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it's for a lot of the mentors that are pushing at a fast pace. It's how do they maintain their energy throughout the day? And, and so when you're looking at when you're eating, if you can space your calorie load out through the day, making sure that you've got a quality start to your day, if that's your breakfast first thing in the morning or for any of your listeners that are working the night shift, when they start their, their day to begin that next afternoon, what's that first meal look like? And protein with fiber and complex carbs a good way to get the blood sugar regulated and get energy levels up and then in between meals looking for ways to bring healthy snacks to the day can be a very effective way to maintain higher energy levels throughout the day so uh, for me it's you know going to be a small bag of, of walnuts and and blueberries it can be a yogurt cup and and uh uh you know some veggie sticks or an apple or you know something real quick and easy on the go and the why, it. as it relates to healthy eating, is is when and why are you going to the kitchen for food when it's not because it's mealtime or you're hungry? And what is the emotional state when you are reaching for those calories? Are you eating from boredom? Are you eating from loneliness? And and just starting with a connection of of why are you um, are you going to food as a as a stress reliever or as as a crutch? And and so understanding that strategy is a big part. The mental health is a big part of of healthy fuel. Very cognitive. Love it. Um, although I did hear you say Joe drinking late in the day. So that to me, my brain goes, that means early drinks are good. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, that's just my brain. Uh, this is fascinating. The book is Take Good Care, Seven Wellness Rituals for Health, Strength, and Hope. We will share that at shiftheads.ca for everybody else. Um, Dr. Dwight Chapin is here. He is the team chiropractor for the Argos. He's around uh, some, uh, I mean, I'm a Stamps fan, right? So I'm like, they're all right. They're decent. I mean, they are pros technically. Got to throw in some sports chirps, eh? <laughs> Might as well. Uh, thanks for being here. Very insightful. I think it's. I think it's really great. And I would just like to acknowledge the fact that we already are living a non-conventional workday for most of us. Even the early risers that are going to work early, right? The real eager folks, because we already are. So why not shake it up? Mm -hmm. I like that. Thanks for being here, bud. Appreciate you. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. Weird. It got very weird. I don't understand. Welcome to the world of weird, weird things, things with Greg Fish. Well, it's a blog, it's a podcast, it's so much more. Worldofweirdthings.com. If you want to check it out, we will post this post. Post this post? Sure. We'll post this post at shiftheads.ca on our Facebook group. Fishy, how are you? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Oh, it's good. It's a good day. It's Good News Tuesday. All the good things. What's one good thing that's in Greg Fish's life right now? Hmm, let's see. We got an awning, so that's nice. Wow. Is it attached to anything or is it just like lying in a box? No, it's attached to it's attached to the house. It's going to help us from the California sun in the summer. Very good. That's exciting. Hey, is it electric or does you have it connected to your Wi-Fi because it's you? Oh no, it's electric and it, but it's also fancy because it comes with a remote control and we can open it and close it with the push of a button. <laughs> Listen to you, hey, live with a hard life, Greg Fish. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's it's rough. Right? It's so rough. I love it. 
All right, so worldofweirdthings.com, you've got a, an interesting uh, little notion on the website today. Uh, QAnon's sci-fi um, cure for everything that ails you, which is funny because the Q uh, needs a U after it. There, it's like it's in this little Q. Anyway, um, uh, so anyway, tell us about uh, the Internet and how they're going to fix all of us. So when I, when I say the words med bed, what do you think of? Nothing. I have no idea. So I've, I've asked around and most people will say, oh, is it like the hospital bed that's like adjustable and it's got some call buttons and maybe there's like a couple of extra features where you can like maybe like if it's really fancy, you can control your like your TV or something mm. or charge your phone. And unfortunately, that's not what this means. You see, there's a conspiracy going around uh, online that there's such a thing called a med bed. And if you lay on this med bed, it can cure literally anything, anything? from an from an ingrown toenail to nice. Alzheimer's, from a splinter in your finger to terminal cancer. Wow. Can we get one? Well, that's the thing. We'd love to get one. The problem is they don't exist because it's not really possible to have this technology. Where they do exist is in the Stargate franchise, the Prometheus franchise. Oh, I see. The uh, the movie Elysium. Um, it's it's a device in science fiction where it's basically a robotic doctor mm-hmm. slash diagnosing slash imaging thing. What was it? Star Trek, they had like a little pointy device thing where they'd like zap you and it would always fix it. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of where they got the idea. The, the only problem is somewhere something along the way broke. And now there are people who think this is actually true and exists. In all fairness, though, I did really believe on the back of the Archie comics in the 80s that I could get x-ray glasses that I could actually see, like, through clothes. So, Well, I mean, if you could, um, your eyes would probably melt out of your head, but that's a completely different topic. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I didn't ever spend the dollar and order them, though, just so you know. I feel like that matters in that story. Wise choice, very wise choice. Thanks, so, man. so yeah, this is this is very much back of the comic book magazine. Like, hey, this thing you saw in science fiction is is probably real. And again, I, I do want to emphasize that it's not it's not possible with the technology that we understand today. It may be possible to do things like combine certain basic diagnostic tools like you have something like a like a first aid kit or like a crash card that's integrated into some sort of a uh, some sort of a medical bed but it's not going to cure you simply because there's going to be a wide range of things that's going to need to happen in order for any sort of treatment to take place so like so, so let's say if a treatment is surgery yeah you can attach some robotic arms and whatnot but is it really going to be able to do it may not probably not like it's there may be some nanotechnology involved in the future like the 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 world is vast and we can't say that these beds will never never will never ever exist but in the foreseeable future we don't know how to make one so which is a bit of a problem because if people think that they're real i don't care if you don't know how to make it i does it come with free shipping well, no, you have to pay for the shipping because the people who are selling it are scammers and they want as much of your money as possible. Okay. But we'll that's get well, to that I mean, in a minute. If it was free shipping and still not real, then that's tempting. Yeah, I, I mean, no, no. I mean, that's they got to make their money somehow. Like if they're going to send you nothing, then they have to get you on the shipping. That's really what it is. This is one of those things um, where I have to send them my banking login in order for them to send me the product. Possibly for some of them. Uh, most of them will just take a credit card and they'll tell you, oh, we found this piece of. So the, the, the whole narrative of the MedBets is that they exist and they're real and they're not just in science fiction and they're being hidden from us by the evil powers that be because we will not be able to understand the technology or use it properly, which kind of doesn't make that much sense because we create technology that we don't know how to use all the time. Uh, Just take social media and nuclear weapons as an example. Um, So if we had something like a med bed, there would be uh, 
companies that are just like making out like bandits, like, Hey, you have, de- you have depression, you have anxiety, you stubbed your toe, come in, try our med bed in five minutes. You're done. Like people would line up every single thing in their lives, headaches, everything from headaches to cancer. They'd be going to their nearest med bed and having it, uh, and, and having it uh, checked out for free because, one of the big conspiracies with with medicine is always that oh people are suppressing the cure for this and this because um, they can make more money off of treatment and that's really not true because if you talk to doctors they'll tell you you're a biological being which means that things are going to happen to you wrong so the longer we keep you alive the more things that we treat now the more things are going to be around for to have treated later because it's just you're 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 never going to be healthy all the time so they'll they'll make they'll make their money with cures when you have a cure you can charge a lot more on top of it so if med beds were real we would know about it they would be available everywhere you're you would be going to your doctor to 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 use it all the time so um the problem really is that people believe that this is being hidden from them because and this is this is especially true with the united states because our healthcare system is um, what's the right word? Uh, mm, a sick joke, um, and, <laughs> Ooh, and, and fun. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's uh, basically how good of healthcare you get in the United States depends on where you live, what kind of job you have, and how much money you have. So yeah. if you're not if you're not doing so well financially, if your job isn't that great or doesn't come with that many benefits, you're going to be shut out of a lot of treatments that can really help you. And there's a massive discrepancy in the United States between people who are lower middle class and people who are upper middle class. I mean, it, it, we're talking about years and years, and that's not even mentioning the quality of life. That's just expected lifespan. So there are a lot of people out there who are saying, okay, there's a cure out there. I have a hope that is just being hidden from me. And if I vote for the right politician, translation, whoever the Q anon people want you to vote for, usually very Trumpy Republicans, that they will give this to me for free as a humanitarian mission, which just boggles my mind because the last thing that Republicans have ever given anyone for free – has been an insurrection uh so we'll we'll uh we'll kind of skip over that uh that part because it just it does it doesn't make any sense uh but i feel for, but the thing is i feel for these people because they 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 want to believe a lot of them do have ailments chronic ailments that they suffer from and a lot of them are caused by things like soft tissue damage which is something that we don't really know how to heal very well because we just don't have the technology for it there are mm-hmm. people with chronic diseases, with chronic conditions for which we don't really – they can't really access really good treatments and we may not have very good treatments to them. So they're just like, okay, I really want to believe this stuff because th- this gives me hope. And the problem is that they get they get taken advantage of in two ways. The first way is they're being sold a political ideology that essentially tricks them into supporting something that – is just not true. That's never going to happen. You know, vote Republican and you get these med bets. That that's not going to happen. You, you know, if they if well, you want to vote, might one day. Uh, again, I but free. I have a question. Free does not go with that party. Yeah, no, I have a question though. The um, the QAnon part, I get that because that's the political agenda behind it. Mm-hmm. But there are an awful lot of these types of things. You know, similar um that are available constantly in social media. And I, I have a, like, this is actually a great text from trucker. Dan. He says, now you're probably going to try to tell me that those sea monkeys from the back of comic books were just brine shrimp. And, um, that, but it is fascinating to me because these sort of fake things are, are not exclusive to QAnon. They're not exclusive to, they're a social media problem. These, these scammers, cause there's a whole bunch of them out there with all kinds of things. And then you see them in today's world, uh, like the Kickstarter campaign is like, oh, pre-buy yours now. We'll deliver it in a year. And you never, ever hear whether or not they – I mean, if there's such a cool idea a year ago and that people are willing to kickstart them, how can we never hear about them, right? Like, I mean, there's all kinds of things that that, that are at play here. I would say that it's probably safe to say that this is not exclusive to just QAnon, except for the political part with the agenda behind it. 
So it's not exclusive to QAnon, but one of the things that's happening on social media is that you do have these scammers moving into those QAnon spaces, into those conspiracy theory spaces, because they have an access to a market that's very primed to believe whatever you tell them. So if you frame it is in that conspiracy theory framework, especially if it's something that is like the conspiracy theory of everything, like Flat Earth or QAnon, people are going to be more likely to buy it. Like it's it's a much better way to scam the victims. Um, and actually, funny enough, uh, we had uh, we had an episode of the World Where Things podcast where we talked to Mark Andre Andretino, who's one of the uh, top experts on QAnon and online radicalization, and we discussed this this topic in depth. And what it really boils down to is you have influencers and scammers and con artists who are basically look, who are looking at how popular these kind of conspiracy theories are, especially with you know the political outreach angle, and they're going, okay, great, I have this wonderful field of gullible people that I'm going to go now and I'm going to start hitting them one by one with whatever snake oil I want to sell. And med beds are no different because you have the same scammers who are selling whatever snake oil supplements they've been selling. But now they say, oh, I have these parts of a med bed. And if you sleep between them or if you put it under your bed, then it will uh, restore your health and vitality. It'll help your immune system. So if you pay me a bunch of money, I'll send that out to you as quickly as I can. And they're pretending to have this, you know, secret technology, which, which really is nothing. And then they have testimonials from people who are very primed to experience the placebo effect. This, this psychological, this, are of well-being from the psychological expectation that things are going to be better. You basically, you're, you're very much mind over matter sort of thing. Um, so they collect these testimonials and these people become uh, their, essentially the the gateway to the next sales opportunity. And that's that's the part where this is dangerous because you can have someone who really needs to see a doctor maybe they'll they they have they can figure it out they can they can get into some sort of a clinic they can get some sort of a screening they can get some sort of a test they can at least know okay hey these are the things that you can do to help treat this disease or this condition and they would be postponing it because they believe that the magical medbed technology that they bought off facebook is going to heal them and it's not. And when they're going to find out that it hasn't, then it may be too late for them. But I don't like – so I get that, and I I, th- I can't disagree with anything that you're saying. Although I just – I feel like it's just capitalizing on the access to this massive audience that the Internet gives these people. And, I mean, I don't want – I don't like buyer beware by any means, but there is a little bit of critical thinking here that's got to go into this. I mean – it's no different than people who are lonely and feel they get preyed on because they um, they just want to be talked to when someone befriends them and then steals their money. I mean, I don't I don't find it a whole lot different than that because, again, not an endorsement. I'm just saying that I think that this goes on and on and on. And is it a I, is it a QAnon problem when I mean there are all kinds of people stealing medical things and and selling medical things that don't work and. Um, it's been going on for ages. It's been going on for hundreds of years of, you know, the hocus pocus. And there's, there's people that are selling gemstones that will save you. And I, I love gemstones. I think that gemstones are great. I love the sort of the mystical energy behind them and all the things, but you can't, you can't put a gemstone in your pocket and stand in the sun for three hours and get, you know, healthy and lose weight. These things are, they're rampant on the internet. And I guess what I'm, I'm trying to get at is this seems to me again to be an internet problem. So less so a political problem. Oh, no, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely an internet problem. It just, it, the new thing for the scammers is to use the political aspect ah. of it, the outreach aspect of it to find a pool of people to sell to because they're already primed to hear alternative ideas or they're primed for what they're for what they're selling because it's one it. thing to say hey buy my gemstone and you're going to get healthy okay yeah sure whatever the deep state is hiding the secret of the gemstone technology oh okay okay tell me more so that's how they're that's really how they're operating that's what you, that's what we're talking about let me ask you though i mean th- when you look at you know there's you know the, these really really rich families that essentially you know own large swaths of 
places, right? And political lobby and all the things. Even though that you're rather pragmatic about these things, I would say that's safe to say. Doesn't it make you wonder every now and then about the sort of, I'm using this term very loosely, sort of this Illuminati notion that there are a select few families that really just control everything on the planet? I mean, isn't that, doesn't that make you wonder every now and then you go, well, could be. Well, I think that there's definitely a lot of people who pull strings from the shadows because um, they want things done a certain way, but usually they do through bribing politicians who are very bribable and corruptible. And a lot of it is very self-serving stuff like, oh, I want these regulations lifted on me because that affects my profit margins, or I want another tax cut and I don't care who gets hurt. I don't think that it's, uh, it's some sort of a sinister master plan because a lot of the people who are involved, um, they're, What's the ni- what's the nicest way to say it? They're not necessarily that bright just because they're rich. And I can offer many examples of it. Yeah, uh, that's but I true. think but I think the best example I can think of is Peter Thiel, whose entire political philosophy relies on the idea that people like me are going to make him immortal by downloading by downloading his brain to a machine if he gives us enough money. And we can't seem to explain to people like him that that's not the issue it's not the money it's the fact that we don't think that it's possible because of biology and the limits of computation so this is kind of what we're talking about i i don't think that i i think that there if there is an illuminati it's a stupid illuminati they have a lot of really (laughs) weird ideas and they think that oh i have a lot of money i can make things happen because nobody tells me no yeah nobody tells you no because they want some of that money that you keep doling out for them to say yeah yeah well yeah there's there's some absolute truth to that and i i don't i you know you can't you can't diminish the notion that sort of that uh what like snake oil salesman right that sort of notion that you um are selling that right i don't even know why that's a metaphor but it is um and so it it is it is very strange it's also very sad um because it takes advantage of some 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 people it's amazing what can happen with a little bit of leadership, and it's things like that that give capitalism a bad name, to be honest, because um, that is capitalizing on someone else's failure or insecurity or brokenness, if you will, um, and uh, and that's not, in my opinion, what capitalism is all about. So uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, speaking of capitalism, go listen to Greg Fish's podcast at worldofweirdthings.com, and, um, and you can hear this entire story. We'll post the link up. It's right there embedded for you to hear as well at shiftheads.ca. Uh, enjoy your awning and life under it. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure to capitalize on people's attention. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with... 877-399-9898. We want to know if you're okay with these stories Deep investigative reporting. Uh, Ryan O'Donnell puts these together, and uh, frankly, I, I don't know how he makes it through the day with all the stress and the pressure of, of you know, spending his days in dark back alleys, trying to just trying to get you know comments from, from people on on all these stories. Well done, Ryan. Very well done. You guys should send me to Florida. You have no idea what I could do if I went to Florida. If I make it back out alive, that yeah, well, there's that, might that. Be an issue. Yep. Are you okay with hugs? Oh, who doesn't love a good hug? I need a hug. Everybody needs a hug a day. I mean, mm. I know people aren't, like, don't enjoy that, but I don't know. I think it's it's just such a nice, uh, such a nice thing. You got to do it right. Consensual. Talia, what's the right way to do a hug? Like a big bear hug, I would say. Yeah, see, I'm you like. You got to, like, I... lift me off the ground. Yeah. Maybe spin me around a couple of times. Ooh, a spin even. Look spin at that. would be nice. See, well, you can't do the spin uh, with the technique that I go for, which is the hug from the knees. You got to get like the. You can't do the lean over, shoulder to shoulder only oh, no, tap so tap. Awkward. Yeah, no, doesn't that's work. weird. There's, what do you? Why are you hugging at that point? Right, like give it a good hug. Matters. Uh, it's powerful, actually. I would go as to say it's quite connecting. Over the weekend, though, it was a hug that stopped a bank robbery. A California man is uh, is, is is in prison. I think for attempted robbery, attempted is the key word there because a good Samaritan 
Stepped in. <laughs> uh, you know. That's a typo. Stepped in and uh, with an act of kindness in the form of huggery. Michael Armis found himself at the center of it while making a deposit here at the Bank of the West on Main Street where he knows all the tellers. Because I'm always joking around and it wasn't no jokes yesterday. Instead of smiles, this time he was met with looks of concern and Armis noticed a man inside covering his face with his shirt. I seen that the way he was talking, he was getting irritated. He said, uh, I don't want to hurt anybody. Woodland police say that man had passed a note to one of the tellers claiming he had a gun and was robbing the place, unbeknownst to Armis. But the thing was, I seen something else. He seemed to be depressed the way he was talking. So I just approached him and I asked him, I said, what's wrong? I said, you don't have a job? He said, there's nothing in this town for me. Nothing in this town for me. I just I just want to go to prison. Armis says he tried to comfort him and asked if they could step outside. So I took him outside and I gave the man a hug right here at the doors. And he started crying. And then I stepped away from him and swoop, here come all the cops. No sirens, just lights everywhere, rifles out get on the ground video from a viewer shows as police cleared out the bank the ladies were all worried the one in there still are saying no no not the one in the black shirt <laughs> armis is pretty casual about it all i believe that it was meant for me to be here that day the police were like get on the ground i don't think they whispered it quite the same way but i get the point that's from wusa 9 wusa 9 eduardo placencia was arrested for attempted robbery. Uh, Armas said he's thinking of visiting Placencia in jail, adding that he recognized the man as a friend of his daughter's from decades ago. Love overcomes all things. People don't realize that. Try to be kind to somebody. It makes a difference, he said. That's neat. Um, I Kind of courageous, even though he didn't really know what was going on, because that could have gone sideways real bad. Mm-hmm. 877-399-9898. Your comments are welcome here. First comment. Nothing beats a really good hug. Second comment. We. We. Are you okay with farms? Oh, a farm. Yeah, I like farms. I haven't been to one in a long time, but uh, as a city slicker myself, you know, it's kind of nice to every now and then go out and see something that's so detached from the, you know, hustle and bustle and, and just something quiet. But I, I will have to say, it's like, I appreciate it looking at it. I could never be a farmer. It's more mm. work in a day than I do in a year. And it's like, it, it's, it's incredible what they do. I don't know if you know this, but Ryan can throw a pretty good lasso. Yes, I can. Thanks to my hardened training. <laughs> Ryan was an actor on Heartland learning how to lasso. It's very good. You can see it on YouTube, in fact, or shifthead.ca in the Facebook group. That that did happen on an actual farm, by the way. We'll say that wasn't all green screen. That did happen. It, technically it was a ranch, but there were there were real animals all over the place. Mm-hmm. I go, did see? not go near them. <laughs> I'm almost certain that those horses had more insurance and were being paid more like than I was. <laughs> to be there for the day? That's pretty yeah. good. On a farm, though, there are a lot of different things going on. If you ever lived close to a farm, which I have, there are a lot of smells. Living in Alberta, there are certain times of the year when farmers spread manure, and you know, as the smell wafts over, stinks. I'm sure there are places, you know, Vancouver Island, uh, Interior BC, and the Okanagan, you get that too, and I'm sure in um, southern Ontario with the farming and in and around Winnipeg. You know what that is. The smell is it's the manure. Now, it's a bit jarring. It kind of feels like you walk into the, like you, you walk into it. It makes you stop for a second, at least stutter in your step. But you kind of get used to it and off you go. It can be pungent. You kind of some turn away a little bit because it kind of hits you right in the center of the head. But unless you're a city slicker and you've never been around it, you can manage it. An Australian weather anchor is going viral after he had a bit of a rough reaction to some manure at a farm. And I have a crush on CNN's Jeannie Moss. Oh, it's smelly. 
Yes, the air is very fresh here this morning, Carl. I can confirm. My goodness me. We've got some cattle that we're hand feed. Sorry. I've got a case of the gags happening here. But... The barnyard smells of the cows he mingled with. Get him in. This one just keeps turning around on me, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Tim Davies does weather segments for Nine Network's Today Show in Australia. He often does gags, but this was actual gagging live. Oh my goodness. Tim was no lollygagger. He soldiered on, apologizing to the farmer. I'm sorry, I am very, I'm such a city slicker. Oh, my. <laughs> I love when he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the video. He's, you can tell in the video he's so embarrassed about it, right? Cause, but he's just embracing it because it's, it's, it's a reflex, right? He can't control it. And I think he does a pretty good job of handling it. There are those moments, though. I mean, I think mm-hmm. even dog owners get that. I'm sure cat owners must with the kitty litter and stuff. I mean, the, all these different animals. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing the smells they humans. It's amazing how bad humans smell too, right? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, we don't need to go there. Are you okay with storms? Ooh, we had some storms here this week in Harlow. They're really mm-hmm. like some of the first ones that. I mean, there was some last year. We've had some storms already in May, and and um, my dog, my great Dane Harlow, was like freaking out at the thunder. Like, had no idea yeah. what to do. Was walking around the house, checking to see if everybody was okay. You know, was a little bit shy and sheepish, po- poking her head around the corner. So I like storms. My dog does not. Yeah, I mean that's pretty standard. I, I I enjoy a nice storm. I do. It's it's fun to watch. They're you know, it, it's it's kind of like a, a show. And then there's like a threshold, right, where you're watching it. You see the lightning and all that. You're like, ooh, this is cool. And then there's that particular crack of thunder where your house vibrates just a little bit too much. And you're like, okay, I should stay inside. That's mm. when storms are a little spooky. Storms are cool. I was golfing once and lightning struck sort of just down the golf hole. Ooh. Um, and you could like everyone, everything got all staticky and all of a sudden down the way, but it was far enough away. Everyone was fine, but it was really, really loud. Scary. Now storms in the ocean though, that's different. It's one of the things that terrifies me about this notion about going on a cruise because I, I like those videos that come across my feed of like the bow of a ship going through these giant waves and the wave comes crashing completely over to it. You're like, how does the boat not break in half? Right? Because it, it's, it's amazing what they go through. Now, the engineering is there and they're supposed to be able to do those things as ill as you might feel. It was a terrifying scene aboard a cruise ship late last week. A huge storm rocked a Carnival Cruise Line vessel, delaying the ship's return to port and leaving passengers very frightened. When you see the video and the destruction inside and the water that was literally running through the hallways, yeah, terrified just watching the video, let's say. Now, the boat, which is ironically called the Carnival Sunshine, was returning to Charleston, South Carolina last week when it sailed into a huge storm. Torrential rains caused the boat's hallways to flood with water. Furniture was flung around upside down and smashed, and uh, it was all because of the rough conditions. I heard the captain come on and say, hey, you're going to expect some delays, expect some bad weather. Hours later, conditions began to worsen. Glasses and bottles of liquor just started falling off of the bar. And uh, you could tell that everybody was fairly rattled. Terrifying video and pictures shared on social media showed flooding on the lower decks, large objects floating in the water, collapsed walls, and gift shops in total disarray. I wish they would have done something different, maybe some hourly reassurance that, hey, ship safe. On Friday, the National Hurricane Center warned of a low-pressure system off Florida that was set to move towards the Carolinas. Some passengers said, despite the captain announcing they would be heading into the storm, that they weren't updated for hours. 
In a statement, Carnival said guests on board the ship were safe. Our medical staff helped a small number of guests and crew members who needed minor assistance. I, that's hard to believe when you see those videos because that <sighs> was just destruction inside there. And I, I love how he says, uh, CBS News, by the way, I love how he says, you know, an update every hour would be okay. But think about that for a second. If you're in the middle of the black of the ocean and you're getting tossed about and, you know, the furniture's upside down and broken, there's walls collapsing inside, like false walls, not structural walls, but there's walls getting broken, there's water running down the hallway, I still feel like an hour is too far to wait for another, hey, we're okay, you know? Wait but that being long. said, would you want the captain to be uh, worried about checking in on the PA with a good old friendly cleanup in aisle two? Or would you want the captain to be driving the boat? Isn't that what the skipper's for? Isn't that, There's got to be someone on that boat that goes, hey, everybody, here's what's going on. Uh, you I should think probably that is the batten skipper, down those hatches. The captain is the skipper, I do believe. But I'm sure that oh. there's somebody on the boat who does that. Um, the love Dude. boat, for example, there was Gopher. I mean, he probably did that. I don't know. Um, videos and photos taken by passengers show water splashing through the hallways, retail display areas, debris strewn everywhere, broken glass. I mean, oh, liquor bottles falling. What? Doors knocked from their frames, waves crashing against the side of the boat, too. And now, according to one passenger, they say it lasted for 14 hours. That's, that's yeah, like that's worst nightmare. nightmare. That's a nightmare. That is as there's this episode of one of my favorite shows called Black Sails. It's a pirate show. And there's a storm. There's a storm that approaches in this one episode. And the entire thing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Stop. You have to stop. One second. Yeah. Yeah. One second. Um, Okay. Here it is. Okay. Now continue your story. Yeah. There be a storm approaching from the north in this episode, and as it sails towards our heroes on the ship, it gets absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. It is like it is the most memorable episode of the entire show, and it's basically forty-five minutes of them sailing against a storm. And I can't watch forty-five minutes of television in a storm. Nevertheless, survive fourteen hours of the real thing in a cruise ship. Like this is no thank you. Absolutely. Okay, now, uh, we'll do one more, and just because whatever happens whenever pirates come up here on the shift, we have to stay in the pirate mode. Mm-hmm. So let's do uh, one more here as we as we do. Are you okay with janitors? Oh, yeah. We always need someone to be swabbing the poop deck on our ship, the SS ship. <laughs> I uh, love janitors, man. They make the world go around. Absolutely yeah, thankless job, yeah. and they're the you know usually the coolest cats in the school. Uh, your school defended uh, depended on janitors to keep our janitors keep everything clean and working. But a couple of janitors in North Carolina, hey North Carolina, we almost need a South Carolina North Carolina song. Had a very very rough day on Monday. And that's because a couple of high school grads thought it would be pretty funny to absolutely trash the school as a prank. The school officials say senior pranks at high schools in Alamance County have resulted in more than $4,000 in damage. They say students got into Williams High School overnight and poured cement into toilets. Other vandalism, though, has happened at Western, Eastern, Southern, Cummings, and Graham. Wow, really? Cement into toilets. Uh, That's from uh, KDVR News, which I feel like is cadaver news. (laughs) That's <laughs> not good news, channel. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. You're watching Cadaver News, where it's never a good day. Uh, crews and janitors are now cleaning up overturned desks, damaged lockers, graffiti, eggs, and trash at several other high schools. And uh, district says students involved in the vandalism face potential suspensions and um, legal charges. Any seniors that were involved will be forbidden from participating in grad ceremonies. Can you imagine those parents? Oh my God. All of this time um, that you've, that you've been there and that you've 
supporting your kids, and that's the joke that gets them kicked out of grad, right? Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.